0: Check out everything Puro Air has to offer at GetPuroAir.com. That's G-E-T-P-U-R-O-A-I-R.com. One more time for the people in the back, GetPuroAir.com. Well, hello there and welcome back. My name is Stephanie Safarian and you are listening to episode 178 of the Sustainable Minimalist podcast. On today's show, we are discussing digital minimalism for both kids and adults. Technology is, in many ways, taking over our lives. Research has found that on average, children spend 1,200 hours per year on screens, and adults, 6,200 hours a year, or the equivalent of a staggering 44 years of our lives. On today's show, I am speaking with Bill Brady, the CEO of TrueMe Wireless, a new cellular network for kids. Bill is here to offer up his best tips for achieving digital minimalism, as well as the smart ways we can create a home culture that prioritizes in-person time as opposed to screen time. Bill, I am so excited to have you on the show. How are you doing?
1: Doing great, Stephanie. Thanks so much for, for having me on today. I couldn't be more excited to be here and and talk through what might be the most to- uh, important topic of minimalism out there.
0: <laughs> yes. Well, that of course would be digital minimalism and I must say I'm really excited to talk to you about this topic because I am not such a minimalist when it comes to my digital life and with my two children, especially my older child who is just spending so much time on technology these days. I'm really looking forward to gleaning some wisdom from you, but before we even get into the meat and potatoes, tell us who you are and what you do.
1: Thank you. So uh, my name is Bill Brady, and I'm the CEO of a a new company called Trumi Wireless. Uh, As much as I love that role and and feel passion for everything that we do, uh, that's actually not my, my favorite or my most important job. Uh, for me, that's really what I do here at home. Uh, i'm a, I'm a dad of five kids. My wife and I've been married for for twenty years, and we're raising five great kids uh, and really doing all we can to help them grow up with confidence and to have uh, great relationships outside of their digital world. And you know, frankly, this is something that every every parent in America is dealing with in in some form or another.
0: Hmm. I know you said you have five children, and I hats off to you, by the way. Five children, <laughs> the two that I have are keeping me quite busy. But you had mentioned to me offline that they span in ages from as young as five to as old as 17. And so I'm wondering how do you personally, as a father, navigate the technology, the cell phone conundrum in your house with your five children?
1: So, until recently, my perspective was to, to really put that move to cell phones off as long as possible. Uh, long story short, when we started giving kids cell phones or smartphones specifically back in 2007 when the iPhone came out, we just didn't have a clue as a society of what that consequence would be, what some of the followed of that would be. Uh, now we do. And just as a as someone who's been in the the communications industry my whole career, I've kind of watched what is the effect of technology on on kids. So in, in our home, we decided we would uh, put that off until uh, a little bit of an older age. And then more recently, I've been involved in in creating safer solutions that can be introduced to younger kids in a responsible way. Hmm
0: you mentioned something there. You said that now we know the effects of cell phones, giving a kid a, a computer <laughs> with unmonitored use. We know the effects of that. So for anybody who isn't deep into the research, maybe you can break it down for us. What are some of the potential pitfalls associated with the cell phones and the unmonitored use on our children?
1: That's a phenomenal question, and I kind of divide them up into two categories. Uh, on one side, there's the, the real red flag things to be watching for, uh, things like predators. You know, we know now that predators find kids online. That's how it happens now. It's, uh, it's typically not the person down the street that's, that you've got to watch out for. It's the, the person online that you don't even know your kid is talking to. There are just example after example of kids that get into really terrible situations with people that they met online that their parents aren't even aware of. Uh, Bullying, uh, cyberbullying is another one of those big ones that can have devastating impacts on kids. When I was a kid, you know, bullies existed then too, but you could kind of get away from them. You might have to deal with it at school, but now, bullying happens all the time and with a much wider reach because of social media. So instead of being bullied by two or three kids, someone might be bullied by three thousand kids <laughs> because of a social media circle, and that that has devastating uh, consequences. And then you know, a, a lot of families are uh, you know keen on protecting their kids from content, whether that's violence, whether that's pornography. That's one of those areas where you know a lot of people have some sensitivity, but don't quite know how to deal with it, how to uh, really navigate those concerns. The stuff that happens that's less obvious is what happens over time in the background. And research shows now that we're just getting into this real mental health crisis. It's been called by some authors actually. as a result of the stress and the anxiety and the depression that comes from kids being on social media too much, or just generally addicted to screens and spending a virtual life instead of a real life, you know, developing relationships and doing the things that we all did as, as we were growing up as kids. And uh, that, that one happens more slowly and it's, it's, it's not so obvious, but it's, it's so dangerous. Um, One of the statistics that's just alarming to me is that the teen suicide rate in the United States has doubled since 2007, according to the CDC. And there's there's a direct correlation there. We can't deny that anymore. In fact, I just read a a study that talks about a, a direct relationship between suicidality rates and spending two to three hours a day on social media, especially with teenage girls. Uh, there was the highest correlation. So these are some of the things we've just got to we've got to address as a society.
0: Mm. Yeah, as I was preparing for this interview, I wasn't surprised to read, but I was saddened to read that smartphone usage in children increased the risk for anxiety and depression in not only kids but in adults as well. And I know in my own life. You know, I'm on my phone all the time, but when I intentionally turn it off, stick it in a drawer for a day or so, maybe two days if I'm lucky, my mood really does lighten. I get involved in my real life as opposed to my virtual life. So that's really what I want to talk to you about today is, you know, how can we create a culture in our homes for our children, yes, but also for us as adults to be more present in the current moment. And I guess I'm wondering, how do you prioritize the current moment as opposed to the virtual digital world in your home with your family?
1: You just characterize that perfectly. It's about an intentionalism. It's about having a, a purpose for everything we do and, and prioritizing the relationships that matter most over the relationships that are virtual or the the, the tasks we need to complete uh, online. Some of the things that I recommend, you just touched on one of them. I call it timeouts, timeouts for our devices. You know, some of those obvious ones should be dinner time. Uh, studies link a set structured dinner time to, you know, better family relationships and kids get better grades in school. And and we, we just that that Concept of the traditional family dinner is is going away because we're so busy all the time. Whatever a family structure is, it's important that there be that set time where whoever's in the home is together and they're they're sharing a meal together. And that should be a device-free time. We've in in our family, we've uh, tried things like taking days off. You know, we we don't do devices on Sunday, for example. And they we just try and put them away. Another one is family gatherings. You know, if you have family visiting or even friends visiting, get rid of the devices. <laughs> I, I laughed at this in our family. This is a few years ago. We had family visiting from out of town that we didn't see very often. And at one point, I looked around the living room and realized that everyone was either on a phone or a laptop, and here were our family from out of town, and I I paused and I said, "Does anyone else realize how pathetic this is?" <laughs> and and we uh, you know we we've since really tried to to say, "Hey, let's let's just be together and get rid of the uh, the devices." Some of the other habits that can help with that, uh, and not only from a relationship perspective, but also with just that stress and anxiety um, research shows that getting off of screens an hour before you go to bed is, is really helpful. You know, in, in our home devices go on the kitchen counter before bed and, you know, they, they get charged there and, and, but it's really, you know, for the purpose of we, we want the kids not to be on devices in their, in their rooms Uh, for safety purposes and, uh, and just, you know, not just be on the devices all the time. So that, that notion of intentionalism is really important. And I would also look at what is the cell phone or, or whatever other device it is. What's, what is it doing for us? Is it a tool or is it a tyrant? You know, if, if we're tied to that thing all the time, we're not controlling it it's controlling us and as soon as that happens my goodness we're not there for the for the the individuals in our lives that matter most
0: mm. i've been thinking a lot about whether my phone is my tool or if it's my tyrant and i've been trying to put some restrictions on myself Primarily because I know that my children are always watching me. And even though they are too young to have cell phones, my seven-year-old does have a Chromebook from school because she's hybrid learning. But even though they're too young to have devices of their own, they are learning by watching me with how I interact with my phone. And so you mentioned in your family, you keep the phones downstairs or in the kitchen when you go to bed. And I've been working on that in my life as well. Same if, you know, obviously at dinner time the phone is not at my hip, but even when we're doing other little things, like maybe we're watching a movie as a family or maybe we're playing a quick game, it starts for me by taking the phone off of my person, out of my pocket and just putting it in another room. Because if it if I put up a barrier to getting it, like walking to the other side of the house, that alone is sometimes simple enough to bring me back into the present moment. Like, wait, do I actually need my phone right now while I'm playing trouble with my kids? (laughs) Or can I check it later? And so that's a very simplified solution, but it does work for me. Keep it off of my person. I'm wondering, though, I mean, as a business owner, as a CEO, I'm guessing that you're on technology for the majority of the day. Do you add in breaks? Like, What do you do to get off the screen during the day? And I ask that because I'm on my computer all day long. <laughs> so I need some wisdom here.
1: Yeah, it, it's, it's so hard because as a society, we've created this expectation with each other that we're always on and we'll always respond. Uh, I don't know that that was the intention when the tools were introduced, but that's certainly what it has become. So for me, in in various uh, work environments I've been in, one of the things that's really important is to set expectations with, with coworkers, team members. Hey, there are times that my phone is with me and there are times that it's not with me. And if I'm with my kids, for example. Uh, they are my priority. I'm going to be present with them. And just, you know, maybe that for, for some people, it's really effective to set times of day and, and create expectations around when you will respond. Uh, so for example, you know, I, I do my email first thing in the day and at three o'clock in the afternoon, you know, and if, if your coworkers have a sense for, okay, you know, he or she's not responding immediately, but I know that it's on their radar and, and they'll get back to me this afternoon, then some of that angst is is alleviated. So I think that's the first step, is just setting expectations. I worked one time with with a gentleman. Uh, this is kind of the, the flip side of it. But he he set an expectation. When my wife calls me, I will answer. And I was in some pretty important meetings with him where he would pause And, uh, they had, he and his wife had a a two call, uh, system. If she called twice, he would pick it up no matter what. And, and, uh, just setting, setting expectations is a, is a big thing. The other thing I think is important, uh, and I have to remind myself of this all the time is when I am talking to an individual in person, They've got to get the full attention that can't happen if my phone is in my hand and I'm wondering about the text messages that just came in and worrying about responding. And so I've learned that I have to transition to that in-person conversation entirely by putting my phone down and just ignoring it, you know, for, for that conversation whether that's with uh, a team member in a professional setting, or whether that's with one of my kids or, or my, my partner at home, it's whoever is in front of my face has got to have uh, the, the full attention. Think of the message that we send inadvertently. If we're on our phone and a child comes to talk to us, for example, and they get the, yeah, hold on, hold on, just just wait a second. And we've all done this. Like, we've all done that. And, and we say, I'll just finish this text. And all of a sudden, five minutes have gone by, and that child has left. They've given up. And so we have inadvertently said two things. Number one, you're not as important as my phone. And I get emotional just thinking of that and number 2 is we've set the pattern for them that these devices are more important than people so stephanie you're you're absolutely right this example that we set uh is really what's teaching our kids how to how to have a healthier relationship with technology
0: yeah your example there really hit home for me as well it's making me emotional and i'm thinking about how How many times, you know, I'm trying to talk to my husband, let's say, and he's dealing with work after hours because technology means we're always on. We're always on, even if we get a work-related text at 9 p.m., right? (laughs) The barriers to work-home life are blurred now, and I'm annoyed because I'm trying to talk to him about something, but he's only half listening to me. He's on the phone, and I'm thinking to myself, I can be annoyed at him for this moment, but I've done it to him and I've certainly done that to my children. Wait one minute as I finish this email or wait one minute. And yeah, um, I think it does come down to being intentional. And what's more important, the child who needs my help or my attention or my love or whatever it may be, or the email. (laughs) So that's something for me to keep in mind as, as I continue to navigate those blurred work and family lifelines. I mean, we've all, or I've been home <laughs> podcasting and writing and homeschooling at the same time. So it's a, it's a, it's a tricky situation to navigate. The Sustainable Minimalized Podcast is supported by Cleaner Cloths. Europeans adore Swedish dishcloths, and here's why. They are the incredibly versatile alternative to sponges, rags, paper towels, and microfiber cloths. And Swedish dishcloths from cleaner cloths, whereas microfiber is plastic, sponges are disposable, and rags harbor bacteria, cleaner cloths are actually made in Sweden from the highest quality cellulose and cotton. I love cleaner cloths because they're completely utilitarian. They're workhorses made to be used up to 100 times before tossing in my backyard compost bin. The best part? Just one cleaner cloth replaces 200 rolls of paper towels. Cleaner cloths are an essential item in every sustainable minimalist home, and at just $1.47 per cloth, it's a no-brainer. Head over to Cleanercloths.com to experience what Europeans have been raving about. That's Cleanercloths.com and try the best Swedish dishcloths today. The podcast is also supported by outrage and optimism. The world has been experiencing a convergence of crises. None of us has been immune to the challenges of this moment in history. Some argue that the greatest of them all is the climate crisis and few of us know what to do about it. Isn't it all just too big for any one of us? Outrage and Optimism is a lively weekly podcast in which hosts Christiana Figueres, former UN Climate Chief, and her partners Tom rivett Karnick and Paul Dickinson set out to help us navigate the complexities of tackling climate change. They talk to business leaders, politicians, scientists, and activists, and ask, What makes you feel outraged about climate change? What is there to be optimistic about? I'm an avid listener of the show, and I love how the host managed to be both realistic and positive at the same time. Don't wait. Subscribe to Outrage and Optimism on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts for new episodes every Thursday. And we're back discussing digital minimalism with Bill Brady of Trumi Wireless. Transitioning our discussion into digital minimalism with kids. The wait until 8th campaign is one in which parents are urged to wait until 8th, 8th grade, to hand them over a cell phone. In your opinion and in your capacity as CEO of Trumi, is there a right age in which a kid should be given a cell phone?
1: I absolutely love the mission behind wait until eighth. Um, I'm hundred percent aligned with, with their, their philosophy of, Hey, we should, we should postpone this um, to an appropriate age. I think that appropriate age is different for every family And for every child, there there are just so many different family circumstances and the needs and maturity level of of every child are are different. Um, And it's also it's also difficult to put a specific age on it because there are now more options for providing a safe solution uh, than there were, you know, a few years ago uh, when Wait Until Late started. So th- I think there there are definitely more better options for for parents now than there were. It's not just a question of, well, do I give them do I give my child a, an iPhone 10 or an iPhone 12 or not? It's hey, there are there are some other uh, other possibilities out there. I think the answer really lies in starting younger kids with a very limited experience and graduating them into increasing levels of responsibility as their their needs and maturity evolve. So it, it really does come down to uh, this specific child. I've handled that differently from, from child to child in my own family. I've handled it differently. Uh, it's not just a, a one-size-fits-all solution. Because my kids have different personalities and we try to meet their needs uh, at a level that's appropriate for them. Hmm.
0: Well, you did mention... Differing options for parents in 2021. And I definitely want to talk to you about Trumi because it does seem to solve an awful lot of problems for conflicted parents. But before we talk about Trumi, I just want to ask you as a parent I know you mentioned maturity levels, I know you mentioned different ages, but is there anything else a parent should consider when considering <laughs> to give their child a cell phone?
1: Um I would think about you know what's the use that's required you know so we had uh, with our oldest daughter we're one of those families that had cut the cord on a traditional phone line we didn't have a landline anymore and uh, when our oldest daughter uh was starting to to babysit for people and babysit for us we had to have some kind of solution in in place for her so that she could reach us. She could reach 911 if necessary, heaven forbid. <laughs> uh, but uh, so in, in her case, you know, I think she was 12 years old and we got her at the time. It was a, a just a basic flip phone so that she could have the, the connection without having all of the distractions and, and potential dangers that come with, uh, with a traditional smartphone. So I'd look at uh, what is the... What is the need? How would it be used? Um, we had another daughter, who uh, she was doing a lot of extracurricular things that were further away from our home than we were accustomed to with our other kids, and she was getting rides from people and being picked up by by their parents sometimes. And you know, there was a situation where one of the one of the one of her rides one afternoon forgot to pick her up. And she was left outside of a outside of a, a, a building in a in Salt Lake City, and didn't have a way to contact us. And thank goodness, one of the other parents saw her and said, "Hey, Ainsley, do you do you need a ride?" <laughs> and and she was able to to uh, to get home. But in her in that case, we we realized, hey, there's a need here, but it. For that child, there was no way I was ready to give her a phone. It just wasn't happening, and uh, and we ended up getting her uh, a, a smartwatch, where she could call or text just a very limited number of people, and not have a full a full phone experience.
0: Hmm. Talk to me about Trumi. It's a cellular network for kids. First of all, talk to me. What on earth a cellular network for kids actually is, and what problems are you hoping to solve with Trumi? So,
1: so yes, Trumi Wireless is a mobile company designed for kids. Uh, We're the phone and the phone service. What really makes Trumi unique is our what we call our Kids Smart operating system. And that's software the, that we've developed at the operating system level that enables parents to graduate their kids from one level of functionality to the next based on needs and maturity and, and without having to upgrade devices. Right now, if you're a parent and you want to get your kids a, a cell phone, you've got two ends of the spectrum. One is the, it's the wild west. <laughs> it's Get your kid the, the latest iPhone or Galaxy or whatever, whatever device it is, and it's wide open. And, you know, so much computing power that they don't need and just all of the, the potential risks and dangers right at their fingertips. On the other end of the spectrum, in recent years, there have been devices that have come out that are definitely safer because they're completely locked down. To talk and text only and and from a safety perspective that 's great, but practically it 's not really helping kids to learn grow uh, to have tools they need to excel in school to nurture their hobbies or discover new new talents so the 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 problem we 're trying to solve is what 's the middle ground what what 's the What's the approach to give kids a device that's completely locked down to begin with? But then, say, mom or dad, you know how you now have an easy way to add step by step functionality that will give your kids the tools they need to do digital classroom with school, for example, which a lot of kids are doing right now, or to have email because email is required. For school in so many classrooms now. That's that middle ground where we're filling. It's safety and flexibility so that we can really help kids excel and achieve their potential.
0: Hmm. And I think that as a parent, custom fitting the cell phone experience to the child is really the epitome of intentional or intentionality around cell phone use. I also would argue as somebody who doesn't have children with cell phones, so take this with a grain of salt. But perhaps the possibility of having the maximum security phone will delay the addictiveness that we see in the wild wild west phones where you know there's so much to click on so many so much to do so many games so much social media
1: so that's a really really important question to consider because i don't think there's any circumstance in which you can give a device to a young person and just say oh i don't have to worry about that anymore regardless of how safe it is I think that there's always a need and an opportunity uh, for parents to provide their kids with a better pattern, a, a non-digital pattern for building relationships and, and learning and growing. Uh, again, remembering that the, there are digital tools that can help all of us, adults and kids, but none of those tools are as important as real life. And so in in our family, even when we've given kids devices, we we do a lot to make sure that we're not a, a device family, if you will. We're always going on hikes and walks and finding fun things to do outside. Uh, we also do what we call our bucket lists. So at the beginning of every season, we sit down as a family and we say, okay, what's our summer bucket list this year? And we have one of those great big post-it notes, you know, those two by three foot post-it notes that you may have seen. And, and we, we write on that. And it becomes the checklist of things that we want to do as a, as a family uh, that, that, that season. And by, by doing things like that, we're being really intentional about how we spend our time together. Because it will always default. In this day and age, time will always default to screens if we're not more intentional about it.
0: Mm, you're so right there. Our free time will always default to a screen unless we really put some restrictions around it for ourselves and for our children. I think about my own life. I, When I have a spare minute, what do I unconsciously do? I pick up the phone. I don't pick up a book. <laughs> I pick up the phone. So I think that's a great place to leave it. But before we say goodbye, please tell me and my listeners where we can find more information about Trumi Wireless. So
1: all of our sales will be done online at trumi.com, T-R-O-O-M-I.com. So you can go there now and, and get more information, more details about what we're doing and our approach and our philosophy. Uh, And then also check out Instagram and and Facebook, and we've got content up there that will uh, help communicate our our mission and our vision as well.
0: Hmm. Bill, I just want to say thank you so much for coming on the show. You have given me a lot to think about and a lot of practical insight to take with me into my home life. So thank you so much.
1: Hey, I really appreciate the conversation, Stephanie. Thank you very much.
0: I so hope you gleaned some wisdom and some perspective from my conversation with Bill Brady. I have linked to True Me Wireless in this week's show notes if you're interested in learning more. Now, this week we do have an eco-tap and it comes from Brita. Britta listened to my recent episode on good enough eco-friendly parenting. That was episode 174, if you missed it. And Britta wrote to me with a potential solution to the kids' clothes conundrum. UpChoose.com is a clothing website that sends you a curated set of organic baby clothes for a fraction of the price of buying new. And then when your child outgrows what they've sent you, you send them back for the next size up. I've linked to UpChoose.com in this week's show notes as well if that sounds like a potential solution for you. On next week's show, we are talking about the importance of popular culture in engaging our children in environmental issues. I will see you then. Have an amazing week and take care.